I'm still thinking about that balloon coming down the stairs. It was terrifying. <laughs> I don't know how it walked downstairs. You know how I mean? it literally descended yep. the stairs. Like, mm-hmm. what? Yeah. <laughs> I I have so many, well, because we have so many helium balloons all the time. Yes. I have that all the time when you turn around and there's just <laughs> like right there. a balloon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's terrifying. Yes. <laughs> I like karate chop that thing all the time. Yeah, you do, and it's silent, oh, and it yes. is. It's like right at your face level, like another human, and you do around just standing there. Yeah, it's happened a lot. It's terrifying. Yeah. No one talks about this. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, we always discuss the hard topics, right? Yes, we do. Yes. We, yeah, nothing's off. Nothing's off. To what is the thing? No one talks oh about this. Welcome back to the Modern Lady Podcast. You're listening to episode 99. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay. And today we are talking about simple parenting. In his book, Simplicity Parenting, author Kim John Payne says, quote, With simplification, we can bring an infusion of inspiration to our daily lives. Set a tone that honors our family's needs before the world's demands. Allow our hopes for our children to outweigh our fears. Realign our lives with our dreams for our family and our hopes for what childhood could and should be, end quote. In our culture, it's tempting to go with the narrative that we should always be grasping for more in our lives. But when it comes to family culture and relationships, it's often the case that less is more and the simpler the better. But first, this podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. How about you? Do you want more from the modern lady? Become a Patreon supporter, and for just $5 a month, you will have exclusive access to our sister podcast, The Friday Finishing School. Find us by going to patreon.com forward slash The Modern Lady Podcast. Another way that you can support this show is by subscribing to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so that you never miss an episode. We are so thankful for every rating, review, and comment that you leave us. Your reviews on iTunes help new listeners discover us. This week's shout-out goes to Athena Davies, who left us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and said, quote, I am so beyond thankful for this podcast. I look forward to every episode and have even been going back to listen to previous episodes because I can't get enough. Lindsay and Michelle are intelligent, fun, and are seriously such a joy to listen to. I love all the different etiquette tips. Their favorites and the main topics are so edifying, inspiring, and relatable. Thank you both for delivering such great content on this platform. End quote. Thank you so much, Athena, for your comments. We're so glad you're enjoying catching up on our past episodes, and we are so grateful to have you here with us now along for the ride. And if you would like to leave us a comment, you can do so on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com. Or you can leave us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, where you can find us at The Modern Lady Podcast. But before we get into today's chat, Lindsay has our Modern Lady Tip of the Week. Longtime listener and friend of the podcast, Jenna, sent me something that she knew would be of interest to me for this week's Tip of the Week. Ladies, have you been wondering how to change up your look this spring? Are you looking for a fun way to show off your knees? Okay, look no further than knee painting. 
It's been 100 years, but here we are in the 20s again. And it seems apropos to revisit the flapper style. And while we might be familiar with the bob haircuts and dark makeup and short beaded dresses, many of us might not be familiar with this lesser known trend of knee painting. Hemlines shut up and well, for the first time ever, knees were visible. And in an attempt to shock their Victorian mothers, flapper girls wanted to draw attention to their bare knees. And they did this by either painting them simply with blush or, well, they painted actual scenes on their knees. Roses, butterflies, oceanscapes, dogs, flowers, well, basically anything you see tattooed on ladies these days was painted onto their knees when this fad was hot. There was a more practical reason why knees were all the rage. Women had abandoned their corsets and therefore stockings had nothing to be attached to. This was long before elastic waistbands. And so stockings kept rolling down and exposing the knee. Well, these girls ran with it and with the rebellious spirit of the decade decided to draw as much attention as possible to that space between the higher hemline and the rolled stocking. So knee painting was the answer. Some images were very artistic and required a magnifying glass, someone to get up close to see all of the detail and some were more simple. There were even jokes made about renting ladies' knees as advertising space, paying a woman to sit in a park all day long with her painted knees advertising your business. But for some, these painted knees were just too much of a threat, and schools started to shut down this trend as it was distracting to the teaching staff. Like most fads, this disappeared as quickly as it appeared, but then in the 1960s, when hemlines shot up again, painted knees made their short-lived return. While many ladies enjoyed this experiment and creativity, when asked how they felt about it, most men said that they just preferred plain legs. And it turns out most women feel that way too, as painted knees haven't really been seen in over 50 years. Perhaps this is the year that they will return, especially considering half of our faces are covered and perhaps women will look back to their knees as a way to express themselves creatively. So Michelle, will you be painting your knees this summer? I have never really given it that much thought. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Come on. (laughs) No, no. All I can think about is like the only thing really decorating my knees these days Mm -hmm. is like the little uh, pieces of gravel that get Mm -hmm. stuck to my knees and make little bumps and indentations when I'm trying to color and chalk with my children. Textured. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So I'm not going to decorate my knees. I'm going to bring in textured knees. It's all about seeing the trend, but then making it your own, right? (laughs) Perfect. It's a Pinterest Instagram world out there, and we're just all trying to keep up, aren't we? Well, we have some good news for you. The best things in life still tend towards the simple, delightful small pleasures that you can find in your everyday life. And nowhere is this more true than in our parenting and when we're trying to build strong family cultures. Right, Lindsay? Yeah, we have joked about this many times on the podcast and a Mm -hmm. lot in our own private conversations, right? About how the best thing that we have done in our families is that we have kept our kids' expectations low. (laughs) Now, (laughs) this is something that dawned on me the other day when I was walking home from the school and I saw the kids just overwhelmed with joy, right, over little things. And I'm like, this is truly our family culture. Like, this is truly um, one of the cornerstones of how we have raised our family and how Jason and I have decided to conduct our daily lives. And so while we may joke about keeping their expectations low, it's actually really true. Like we have done that intentionally (laughs) since we Mm -hmm. became parents. And it's something that we're really happy that we've done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it seems just kind of a funny thing 
Uh, mm-hmm. And it is. And we'll get into some examples that we can give to people if they're mm-hmm. searching for ideas on how to make this happen. But I actually think the core message of keeping things simple, um, keeping our kids' expectations low, it is actually a really important part of family culture because it actually delivers a lot of meaning behind what you want to cultivate there, right? Um, I think it speaks to more of an education on how to look for that extraordinary beauty of our ordinary lives. And we as adults may know how to do it for ourselves, but by doing um, little simple things for our kids, uh, I think it teaches them how to do the same thing. And it's maybe less of an entertainment, less of an entitlement thing that they get used to. And like I said, more of an education on how to look through the mundane for the delights. Yes. It's like the thing, I think something that surprised you and I, right, as we've been doing all of these episodes is that the one lesson I think we've been learning is that when we say no to certain things, it's not Mm -hmm. just a no, that there is a, a yes, right? So yeah, we might be turning down some of the more elaborate things or more costly things or more family adventures, but that isn't just a no, like what you're saying, it becomes an education on how to seek out sometimes things that are ultimately better for us. So a no becomes a greater yes. Now for our family, this um, there's kind of two reasons why we had to keep everybody's expectations low. So when I really reflect back on the early years of our parenting, um, it stemmed from two things. So I would say between our years of like 2006 and 2012, we had very little money. We had a lot of debt and Jason was working crazy hours on patrol. Um, so mm. he was, his schedule was all over the place and to top it all off, as I've said before, and it's the thing I'm most shy about, I don't drive and I still don't drive. Mm. And so I was stuck and I, that is in air quotes because you do feel stuck at home. And of course we know I was, you know, It's a mindset, but I was, I was stuck Mm -hmm. at home uh, during all of Jason's working hours. Right. And I, so this actually prevented us from being able to sign our kids up for like extracurricular things. We couldn't get our kids to the lessons. We simply couldn't do it. So there's no point signing them up and spending the money. Now, Mm -hmm. the second thing though, is that we really have believed though, at the same time that kids don't really need much (laughs) to live a fulfilling life. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I think that our situation in those early years forced us and forced me as their mom to be a little bit more creative. But then what happened was I saw with my own eyes, how excited my first two kids were with that very simple life. And then that shaped then how we continue to parent, even though our situations changed, right? We have a bit more money. Jason is Monday to Friday right now and has been for the last six years. I still don't drive, but um, (sighs) we could, be doing a few more of the things we didn't do before. But yeah, we started to see the fruits in our older kids. So then it became, it kind of went from being a situational decision to being an intentional act on our part. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's not to say that these things are not good. They could be part of a family culture in another family, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm. um, the gifts and the entertainment and the extracurriculars those are also enjoyable parts of life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think uh, we're focusing on um, the fact that the expectation that we may think is there on us from either our kids or society, it's not necessarily there. So you do still have the freedom to decide whether that is what you want or not. And yeah. for me, I know that a big part of it is sustainability is really critical. And one of the reasons why we've kept things low key and simple is because I'm a, we've talked about the temperaments. I'm a sanguine, 
and I get easily distracted by new and sparkly things. (laughs) (laughs) And so the simpler the things, the better. And the more I'm going to be able to keep up with them and maintain them, do them more often. And then it sets a a precedence for my kids and their um, expectations that I, I know that I'm not overextending myself. And then they're going to expect that in the future. Right. Right. So keeping things low key helps all of us, I feel like, um, maintain balance and routine while still being able to have a little bit of fun along the way. You just said something there that's so key to this conversation. I read years ago, and it was honestly one of the best pieces of advice I've read as ever as a mom. And it was, know this, when you do something for your first child, and if you've done it once and then twice and then three times, you have set up a tradition that you better maintain now for the next 18 yeah. <laughs> years. And then you have to do it for each subsequent kid. Um, and so what you were just saying about, you know, things happening long-term like so what can you stick to what is simple enough and um so that didn't turn me away from doing great traditions with our kids but it's certainly I had that in the back in the back of my mind going I don't want to set something up for my kids that they're going to expect every year if I can't maintain it right so it just made that we thought okay what is yet doable and simple um thinking about simple times I've been seeing a lot written lately about my generation. Now there's the seven years between you and I, Michelle. And in those seven years, Mm -hmm. a lot happened, namely the internet. (laughs) Right. And it was a very big seven years, right? Like there was Mm -hmm. a big like cleft between the two generations. And I'm seeing a lot that those of us who had a childhood in the eighties, um, were really the last kids to experience that childhood that was disconnected, right? From computers. I don't think I used the internet mm-hmm. until my last year of high school or maybe my first year of university. So, um, and we didn't, nobody had computers in their homes till I was halfway through high school. So it was something we just didn't have. And I know that we all look back a lot of us, uh, you know, on our childhood as simple times. And even of course the kids who grew up with the internet or that first generation of it, like you, mm-hmm. your parents were still trying so hard to balance that that old type of childhood, the classic childhood with this new technology. So I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that it can't happen. It's just that we each always look back on, you know, this one golden period of kids out on their bikes, roaming the neighborhood until the streetlights come on and all those things. And I had that. And so it's hard because I love when we talk about simple childhoods and family culture, Obviously, I love history. So then I look at my own past. I look at my parents' past. And then I go all the way back. And I'm like, okay, life has always been really busy, right? It's always Mm -hmm. been really, really hard. And so it's really, I find a little bit complicated to talk about something like this because there's so many what ifs or what about these people or what about this time in history and all of that. And so what we're saying, I think the biggest change right now, though, is is like what you open with, Pinterest, social media. It's always been busy. Parents have always been exhausted. Money's always been tight for the working class. This is Those things have never changed. The difference mm. is now we get this window into the world constantly on our devices that shows us, that puts that voice into our head saying that we should be doing things more and better and nicer, right? So mm. yeah, I needed to just have that kind of overview as I was writing my notes going, <laughs> wait, wait, but history, but my childhood, but my parents, but then kids have lived through the war. Kids have lived through plagues in the past. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's so hard. But I think, yeah, the difference right now is that we are constantly, these other examples are being held up literally in front of our faces, constantly going, but you should be doing this. Mm-hmm. That's true. So like culture has always maybe colored um, or mm-hmm. influenced family culture. 
but the strong family cultures have withstood them and plowed and blazoned their own way anyways yeah. right and i think yeah. that might be the the striking difference because you're right this has been uh, a struggle and a thought for parents all the way through history how mm-hmm. do we maintain our beliefs how do we maintain our lifestyle how we want to live our lives um, that looks totally different from everyone else while living in the world, but not being too swayed one way or another by the world, right? Mm-hmm. And that is definitely a particular struggle for us uh, being becoming parents right now. <laughs> because the world is on our doorstep now, right? Like never yes. before. And yeah, so I remember, I think it probably was our family culture episode where remember when you and I watched that documentary and we realized that there was... um when we hearken back to the 1950s of what we think is, you know, the height of the ideal of the family. But then we mm-hmm. realized that right back at the late 1800s, families were already freaking out because their families were yeah. being split up due to the industrial revolution. And we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This started like 80 years before we thought about the breakdown of the nuclear family. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like you're saying this, this conversation I think has been going on for a lot longer than we think it has about, yeah, what do we do to keep our family tight? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. To play plant those deep roots in these changing times. And then I think that when you were surrounded by neighbors and extended family that all had that same shared vision, it was a Mm -hmm. little bit easier. And that might be another reason why it's harder now is that everybody has different ideas of what that is. And so it does come back to your family, what works for you guys, and and that idea of developing a family culture. That's what really sparked this continuation of this discussion for you and I, because we started realizing that all of the little things we were doing in our days that seem inconsequential, they were all Mm -hmm. contributing factors to our family cultures. And we're like, man, it's actually so much easier than we thought it is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If you just step back and go, these are the things that we're doing. um, And that's what we're you know, excitedly going to share with you guys today, all of the excellent mom tips that we have for you. (laughs) Oh my goodness. We're going to blow your mind here with, (laughs) with these tips. And, you know, as I was writing these tips though, uh, I was realizing I kept writing a couple of words over and over again. And so I Mm. wonder if for me, for my family culture, if this is what the litmus test is for our family is the two words were special uh, and magical. <laughs> oh, cool. So, yeah, a lot of these things were really about seeing the person uh, who is right in front of you and how can you make them feel loved, essentially? How can you make that moment stand out to them that, like, I'm seen? And I think that there are so many different ways you can do that. It's going to be different for every kind of personality. Every child is going to be different. But uh, I think part of forming the family culture is thinking about how can we make family the place where everyone wants to be because it's this special, extraordinary place for Mm. all of us. Yes. And doesn't that just sound wonderful? Like I'm thinking, you know, your children are so blessed. Honestly, I'm not just saying this to have a mother that that's her goal is to think about that, to be intentional about, okay, how can I make each one of you feel loved? That's Mm -hmm. what greater thing can you give them? Because that will shape every decision you make throughout the day, if that is your sole goal, right? And sole purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that what our listeners should do right now is even pause the episode if you have to, but really take a couple minutes and think about your own childhood and what the best memories you have uh, are. And then what made those times so good? Because the thing that kept recurring in my notes is the idea of 
our senses, engaging our five mm. senses, and that this doesn't cost anything ultimately to, you know, or at least a lot of money. So mm. yeah, I think if you guys haven't done that yet, pause it and really reflect back on your own childhood. And I bet you that you will find out that these memories, they involve the people that you love and that loved you, like what you were saying, Michelle, mm-hmm. and that gift of their time and attention. Yes. Um, right. So I, mm-hmm. I had actually a really, not only was I thinking about my own kids and what we can do for them, but I really did actually enjoy reflecting on that myself and thinking back to my favorite things from my childhood. Mm-hmm. So before we get into maybe some actual tangible um, things you can do, I just want to say like one thing you can attach onto anything, any act that you do throughout the day. It might be a challenge because I've I'm just been informed that not everyone can physically do this, but winking. Oh, <laughs> can you wink? I can um, wink. Yeah, I have a little PTSD from this time I tried to wink at this boy in grade two <laughs> across the classroom and my okay. face got screwed up and he looked at me horrified. So I'm a little, I'm a nervous winker, but I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, if you, if you can safely and confidently wink, okay, <laughs> we'll yep. say, um, it helps make everything feel special and extraordinary. Mm. A subtle little wink to one of your kids. You could be doing anything. And yeah. they'll feel like you're sharing this little secret of <laughs> like sometimes oh, nothing, yeah. right? But slipping a few chocolate chips, wink, yeah. you know, um, I, I'll share an example. Just from this past Saturday, we had to run into Costco, um, film, and most of the kids stayed in the car, but I grabbed one of my sons um, mm-hmm. and we walked in, we did, picked up the couple of things. And as we were walking out, his eyes lit up when he saw the water vending machine. (laughs) Costco water costs 25 cents. And so I was like, oh, sure. So I got four quarters because, of course, he wanted to get some for his siblings. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, and as he was putting the quarters into the machine, he looked up at me and I gave him a wink. Mm -hmm. And it was like the best. I could see that his bucket was right full. And um, the rest of the kids too, of course, with their magical bottled water from Costco. But it's (laughs) little things like that. Little things. And then you add a wink on top. That's magic right there. Michelle, I love that so much. And that's that's just so like the stories you and I were sharing over the phone, right? And laughing about mm-hmm. with our kids. Mm-hmm. And so I love that. But the idea of a wink and just, yeah, bringing them in on the little secret, it is special. And I will I will stand in front of the mirror and practice okay. my winking. <laughs> no pain, no gain, Lindsay. Yeah, you can do yeah. it. I can do it. I'll, both eyes back and forth. A lot of, yeah, I'll, I'll keep you updated. Um, So Again, in our house, I touched on this earlier, but again, one of the things that we have actually never done, so it's on our to-don't list, is the extracurricular activities. Um, Mm -hmm. Does this mean that we will never do them? No. Uh, But unless my kids show a really strong desire to join something or to learn something new, we're okay not doing that. And so do I... Okay, of course, I believe that team sports and like creative arts are incredibly important. And I see all the benefits of that. But here's the thing. 
I used to feel a little guilty that my kids weren't in those things. And then I was able to let that go. So that's the message here. If you can't do that right now at this point of your point of your life, your kids will still learn how to swim. They will still learn how to skate. They will still, um, you know, learn how to, my kids have learned how to play the piano on their own a little bit, even though I could teach them. Um, what I'm just saying is that you don't have to carry the guilt of that. If that's just something you guys can't do right now. Um, so you can still do all of the things they would do in extracurricular activities, but for free and in your own backyard with your own family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a good point. Um, I think extracurriculars are a good thing. I know our family is an extracurricular family. Mm-hmm. Um, we we try not to go overboard because we want to balance the family time at home with the extracurriculars. Yeah. And we do tend to go for more broad things like swimming, um, maybe as opposed to team sport. And that's us, right? And like what you're saying, we know families that are into competitive sports. That's their family culture. You can see very clearly that it is very and a very important part of their entire family's life. And so it really comes... Yeah, yeah, it is their story. I like that you said that because it is totally, I see that too, where it is their family culture in that family yeah. and they get life from that. They really mm-hmm. enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's really the important thing when you're considering the extracurriculars, right? Is like, yeah. what is it that you, like you said, what is it that gives you all life? And um, then go with that. If it's not extracurriculars, then that's what you're saying, right? Like then just let yeah. it go because let eventually- the kids will be all right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the message there. So what's another thing you guys do? So um, since we're on the topic of getting out and about or not, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, sometimes we take the kids when they're open to pet stores or oh, the goodness. aquarium stores just to look at the animals. Now, yeah. I won't say this out loud while we're in the store that we're basically treating the pet store like a mini zoo. Mm-hmm. But basically, we're treating the pet store like a mini zoo. <laughs> Yes. And one of our favorite stores before the lockdowns was a tiny little pet store attached to a mall in one of the towns close by. And um, after we went and looked at the two puppies that they had, then we go into the mall. (laughs) I'd buy them each like a Timbit, which is like a donut hole. Um, And then we'd wander to the elaborate coin box where you can donate (laughs) to the local humane society. (laughs) And it's set up like a giant bowl. You can watch the coins spin and roll down the bowl. You know what I'm talking about? They mm-hmm. just like spin, 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 <laughs> spin really, really quickly. And they drop into the bucket at the bottom. I mean, I basically just took out my coin purse and let them have at it with my smaller yes. change. And that was their best days ever. So if you're looking for things to get out and about, sometimes just doing life with your kids. If you have to run errands, bringing them with you. Um, And then just perusing, becoming like a hometown tourist, basically. Those are really fun things. And it establishes you in your own community as well. I'm actually taking notes. So I just wrote down, um, have coins. So I'm like, okay, practice winking, have coins on me because... We never have coins on us. Like I don't, I rarely carry a purse when we're out. And Mm -hmm. um, Jason, so I grew up obviously with a dad and a grandpa, the men with the coins in their pockets, right? The jingling around with their hand and pulling out some coins for the grandkids. And I've always loved that. And I do wish Jason had some coins on him. And now I'm like, I'm writing it in my planner, get (laughs) coins. Because clearly (laughs) there's so much you can do with just a few coins. You've got your water. We have to say no to the water bottles at Costco because we never have a quarter on us. 
So um, get coins. Yes. Get coins. They're great. Um, and I will say, like, I will put in an actual small donation at the end of it. But mm-hmm. that's because I feel badly because what I do is that we still have rolls of pennies. Mm-hmm. And up here in Canada, pennies, you really don't They're use done. them anymore, right? Yeah. They're done. So I just bring rolls of pennies and I open that. And so the poor Humane Society people have to sort through the, yes. the multitude of pennies. But I, I have given something else for their troubles, for sure. That's a, Those that's are a good tip, tips. too. Yep, yep. Um, okay, so one of the other things that's part of our family culture and how we keep it simple is that we keep celebrations very small. One of the reasons for this is that we have a very small family. So Jason has only one living relative, and that's his half-sister in Vermont. Um, But on top of that, we actually kind of made that decision really early on. We love, love, love all of our friends, okay? So we do love them. We love all their kids. We just learned very early on that we don't want to spend every weekend going to everybody's kids' birthday parties. And Mm -hmm. I want to be really clear here. It's not that we don't love them. It's just that our weekends are also very precious to us, right? Especially when Jason was working all over the place with ours. And so... Um, we made that decision then also to not have big birthday parties, right? And so mm-hmm. that it's just our family. It's just my parents, my brothers, and their cousins. And so it's maybe 10 of us ever for a birthday party. Um, I bake the cake and I am not a cake maker. It's a boxed cake. I do make a homemade buttercream, but it's mm-hmm. barely slapped on with a knife. Uh, they don't, we laugh about my cakes. They don't look very good, um, but they taste fine. Um, I tie some balloons in the kids' doorways. They might get four presents max. It's very, very low key. Um, as they get a little older and if they want to have a friend um, or they want to go do an activity with a friend, we do that. But that's it. We have really let that go. And Mm -hmm. again, in the early years, I struggled with a bit of the guilt. Um, I have friends who do the most beautiful and elaborate birthday parties, baptism parties. I love that they do that. Mm -hmm. Again, you can see that they get life from that, that it gives them great pleasure. And so for years, I thought, oh, I need to get pleasure from that. (laughs) And I wasn't feeling Mm -hmm. pleasure from that. And so... It was just stressing us out more. So now I was able to let that go, let go of the guilt of that. And again, my kids love their birthdays. They have never once said, we wish we have a bigger birthday party. So yeah, that's just something else we have decided in our family culture is very small uh, celebrations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that will become part of your family culture. Like mm-hmm. your cakes will become legendary. <laughs> I, I think I they really already are. Like okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're special. <laughs> That's the amazing thing about family culture is that it's your family, right? Mm. And it becomes like this inside, um, this inside secret, this, these inside jokes uh, mm. that are shared by everyone in common. I love what you're saying about simple birthdays. I'm pretty much on the same page, and especially mm. when it comes to decorations for birthdays. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not uh, good at decorating the house and bedecking it in uh, festive. Yes, regalia, you know. <laughs> but the one thing that we started doing a few years ago was getting helium balloons on mm-hmm. their birthdays, and we all go together. Um, Phil's working usually, so we go during the day, and yeah. everyone gets a helium balloon. All the kids do on someone's birthday, but 
only the birthday boy or the birthday girl gets the fancy foil kind, mm-hmm. like with the picture or the shape. Um, everyone else just gets the latex ones that deflate in eight to 10 hours. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's a bit of a production for sure, taking all the kids to the dollar store. Um, but they'll all be there trying to help the birthday kid pick out their special balloon. And then they all like, ooh, and ah, over the machine that blows them up. And then most recently, it was our youngest's birthday, and I even got to explain what makes helium balloons float. So we also homeschooled at the dollar store, and we got balloons (laughs) all in one shot. But those balloons, I mean, they bring such joy. And then when we get home, um, I just... I untie them and let them float around the house and the kids have a blast running around and pulling their little balloons behind them. It's just so much fun. Well, now I'm literally adding helium balloons (laughs) for the kids to my list. We've had them occasionally, but it's never been part of a birthday tradition. And I love that. Um, We had Mm -hmm. a terrifying um, helium balloon. Have you ever had when they're half dead? And so I remember sitting on the couch and I think I was awake breastfeeding a baby and it was two in the morning and I saw something out of the corner of my eye and it was one slowly (laughs) descending the stairs and then like just silently making its way around a corner. It turned a corner and came near me and it was terrifying. So there's that aspect of memories. Um, (laughs) I'm laughing so hard. There, there should be, um, yeah, a time when you just have to call it for the balloon and that might be difficult for your kids to understand at first <laughs> that this balloon is done, it but it go. will be weeks, right? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah it is good. Weeks. <laughs> and I have to say too, in our no- local um, Facebook group, there's a lot of times mm-hmm. parents who've done a birthday party, they'll actually put the balloons for free and say, anybody want these? Because they are so popular, right? For kids. Oh, yes. So if you have some as well, like that you're done with, you know, offer them in the neighborhood. Like kids honestly get so excited when you bring in helium balloons. And I don't know if you ever saw, this was a Pinterest idea that came out only when I had my last baby, but it's tying mm-hmm. helium balloons to their feet and then they <laughs> lay them on the ground and your baby's yes. busy for like an hour trying to figure out why those balloons are floating above them <laughs> as they move. Parenting tips. I have done that. Yes, <laughs> when Clara was a baby it, and truly it was, you get two balloons, one on each foot mm-hmm. and oh my gosh, they just go to town. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> So one of the things that we enjoy doing in our family um, is that, (laughs) this is going to sound harsh too, but we don't cater our time to our kids. Um, We -hmm. do what we want to do and our kids come along and they always have a great time. This is, again, it's just me popping in here to say, hey, don't feel guilty if you actually want to go to a museum that's not a children's Mm -hmm. museum. Um, So our kids have always come along to museums, to the symphony. We have dragged our kids into very high-end restaurants and into every church we drive by on vacation. Our kids have gone and they're like, oh, another church. We're like, yep, another church. Um, Our kids have no issue with this and they still look fondly back on that family time and you and I have always talked about the power of the one timbit or the simple treat right the dollar Mm -hmm. cone from McDonald's a small McDonald's french fry for each kid in the back of the car those things go a long way so if it is like if it's on Jason's precious day off and there's something we want to go do and we bring the kids like an antique market. Mm. Yeah. We take our kids to antique markets and have since they were little, uh, the promise of a McDonald's small fry on the way home Mm -hmm. does a lot. And so yeah, happiest kids ever again, let go of the guilt. If you want to go do something, they will be fine and they will learn to behave themselves in those places. Um, you know, if you just work it into as part of your family culture. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so true. I can't tell you how many 
how many weekends when we were kids, my siblings and I, that we would be out with my parents, like yeah. with what they had to or wanted to do, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, how many, uh, you know, the furniture stores or the appliance stores when they're trying to decide about the washing machine or a new couch yeah. or something like that, right? Um, and you're right, like at the time as kids, you know, like your kids do with the churches, <laughs> mm-hmm. we think, oh my goodness. But you're right. There was always something in it. I, I feel like that's the purpose of little things like the ice cream, the small French fries, the winks, like yes. throughout those things. It's because life still happens and um, it doesn't always have to be so kid centric uh, for them to feel special and loved. <laughs> yes. um, part of, I think, what they're looking for is just to be included in, in our lives and our scope. And so yeah. that's a that's a really great point. And the thing I think I'm missing most of all over this last year with the pandemic is seeing children out. They're gone. Yeah, like, right. True. It's very rare. You'll see maybe two kids in a grocery store when you go out. And I understand that. I'm not saying that people should be dragging their kids everywhere. I'm just saying that when things open back up and the world slowly returns to normal, start bringing your kids out. I miss seeing kids. I miss hearing mm-hmm. kids in stores. Let's, you know, it's a really great thing when our lives and when our adult world is filled with children, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we do actually at home, which is great because this whole past year we've only been at home, we couldn't do all these wonderful stores, <laughs> is um, just our Friday family movie nights yes. and the subsequent sleepovers in the kids' bedrooms <laughs> that mm-hmm. happen afterwards, right? So it's still one of my most cherished family memories growing up is going to the video store to rent a movie, which obviously is different today. Mm-hmm. Um, but with my siblings and my mom, while we waited for the pizza down the street and then we would all sit there in the basement eating, laughing, and then watching some of the greatest movie movies, right? The classics. Yeah. Uh, so now as adults, we have this shared catalog of movies and memories that we can still reminisce about today. So, you know, we've started doing this with our own kids. And let me tell you, when dad comes through the door with the pizza after work on Fridays, everyone comes running and it's become something we all really look forward to throughout the week. And now the whole thing about sleepovers, this only really started maybe a few months ago for us uh, as a regular fixture. Um, My kids really love to sleep over in each other's bedrooms and I have no problem with that really uh, like on any night but what I've been doing is I save it for the weekends so even though Tuesday night I really am indifferent if they want to sleep over or not I still say no and the reason is because I know it will be that much sweeter for them to watch a movie together and then sleep over on Friday night and then maybe I'll be benevolent and allow Saturday night as well mm-hmm. <laughs> and it gives a little bit of anticipation especially in a year when so much was canceled you can be strategic about a lot of these things and save them up um, even just to have something for kids to anticipate and look forward to and get excited about that perfectly lines up with my last thing because it's all about home. <laughs> mm-hmm. Same thing. We, you know, we can't really go out. And, but honestly, as I've said before, the truth with my family is that even before the pandemic, some, there was most of the time we didn't go out until Sundays anyway. So we're used to being at home. So my kids mm-hmm. don't really get stir crazy. They aren't usually climbing the walls. Um, but like what you were just saying, I say a lot of yeses to things that are within our house. 
And so yes to the sleepover. My kids love a sleepover. Um, just like you, we've got the two girls and the two boys and the two girls share a room and the two boys share a room. And a lot of times all four of them are, are in a room together. Um, mm-hmm. That's an easy yes. And like what you're saying, it, I have no problem if it's during the week. Um, it's a little bit harder now that I have older kids who are out of the house for school. Um, mm-hmm. So it's usually a weekend thing. But yeah, it's these yeses. Yes, you can have a sleepover. Um, yes, you can bake something if you want to try to bake something. Yes, you can swim in the tub with your goggles on with your brother. Um, these yeses, especially in a time where, like you're saying, has there's been so much no Um really does help the kids also learn to be more creative within the house and it doesn't cost money. And it's also me having to chill out a little bit on things that I might be like, Oh no baking. Mm -hmm. Okay. The mess, but it stretches me a little bit and it just really helps them as the kids build their own memories. uh, These special times, especially like a sleepover with all four kids in the room. Of course they're going to love it. Right. And Mm -hmm. yes, you can stay up and yes, you can talk. Um, yeah, it's really stretched me as their mom, but it's free. It you know takes no effort and the kids feel like they have something special and control over a few little things when they can ask and we say yes. Yes, that's such a good point. I love that you said that because I feel like something that this um, taking the simpler route does mm-hmm. as for the parents, for us, is it does give us more freedom. Right. Like you said, it it doesn't we don't have to be concerned about the budget. We don't have to be concerned about, um, you know, what this is going to do to constraints on our time or can we fit this in to a busy schedule? All these things. It gives us as parents more freedom to be these adventurous and spontaneous (laughs) people who our kids are going to think like as they grow up, hopefully they'll see like, man, mom and dad, like they were so fun. Mm-hmm. You know, when really all it was, was we kept things simple enough, um, according to what we considered simple, that we could say yes, yeah. as often as we possibly could. And that is a huge benefit to this whole um, simplicity parenting. Yes. Yeah, so simple parenting it's intentional. And guess what? It's not lazy, right? We're not talking about being Mm. lazy, although there are some definite lazy days, (laughs) but it isn't passive. That's what I mean. It does take work. And sometimes it takes a lot of work, kind of like the no makeup makeup look. Um, So, right. It can look like it's easy, but there is work involved. Um, I want to go back again to that idea of the senses being involved. So whenever I think Mm -hmm. about what I'm doing for my children or for my own childhood, you know, when we think about the sites, right? So it's oftentimes it is out in nature and nature's free. It's forests and beaches and mountains and, and even taking the kids into a big city and not having to do much, but just like all my kids are hungering for right now is to drive to Toronto. They just want to see the skyscrapers. They just want to drive Mm -hmm. the streets. I'm like, well, we can't do anything. And they're like, yeah, but we just want to see it. And they want to see it if it's raining and they want to see the city lights at night. They just want to see Mm -hmm. it. Um, the smells, right? Christmas smells and cookies and the incense at mass or mommy smell as Ellie's been calling it when she goes into my armpit. I'm like, gosh, these kids love you. Thank you for loving me. Mommy smell as she pushes her nose right into my armpit. Oh my goodness. That's I'm like, so okay, hilarious. well that's free. Go ahead. Sniff all you want. Um, I wasn't uh, expecting that. No, but it's a new thing. It's been sweet. Um, And then like sounds, right? So like there's mm-hmm. so many 
sounds connected to my own memories. Um, my children, as you guys know, my children fall asleep to the sounds of Jason and I praying the rosary. Um, or we've talked before about the love I have of when you have another couple over and your kids fall asleep hearing the couples mm. at the table talking, right? Of mm -hmm. the forks clinking and drinks being put down and just those sounds. Like that's all really tied into my memories. And then tastes. This is a huge one. So many memories are wrapped up with food and wrapped up and put all of my memories. In fact, all of them involve food. <laughs> <laughs> and one of my four kids, all of his memories involve food as well. So we're really yeah. united like that. <laughs> but the message in this is that beauty matters. That beauty is seeking out beauty and these things, connecting with our senses. None of that costs money or takes a lot of effort. Beauty is free. And we just have to do a little bit of a better job of seeking it out and finding it in the ordinary. We did that whole episode on the extraordinary mm -hmm. beauty of ordinary life. If people haven't listened to that, they should go back and listen to that. But that takes a little bit of work to train ourselves as the moms to find the beauty within our own homes and within our everyday life. I love that you tied this into the beauty aspect of life because it really is beautiful. Like this mm -hmm. whole conversation, every time we shared a memory, every time anyone like one of our listeners shares something on Instagram or something like that, I think that's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And isn't that what we always say? Like we we seek lives that are oriented towards the good, the true and the beautiful. Yeah. And sometimes we can be so concerned about the truth or so preoccupied with the good, but the beautiful still always has to be there. And the best part about beauty is that like what we've been saying this whole time, it really doesn't have to be the elaborate beauty. Uh, beautiful moments and beautiful settings happen all the time in the home. It's less of a taking on an extra task and more of a retraining ourselves to see it. 100%. I think that what we're really saying here too is that when we simplify what we can make simple, we are reserving up or building up a reserve of energy for maybe the bigger things when they do come. So it isn't just about lowering expectations. It is about establishing perspective, right? Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is it sets the tone. It's like what you were just saying. So if our family time is spent doing simple things, then we have established a more realistic baseline Okay, for our kids and for ourselves too. Then we can properly process and feel and understand when things slip below the baseline or rise mm. above it. But we choose where the baseline is. You choose where it is in your family. If we set it too high, then we're constantly having to try to reach. And that often takes us beyond our means, right? We get too stressed yeah. out. We spend too much money. If we take it too low, we risk sinking too low. But it's when it's just in this perfect spot, simple when it can be simple, then we can understand when things go above or below that as a family naturally, you know, changes during different times. It's about the middle road actually, and being really satisfied with finding that baseline, that middle road and finding real and true contentment in simplicity. for our What We're Loving This Week segment of the show. So Lindsay, what have you been loving this week? There is a three-part series on Acorn TV 
that I was so happy to stumble upon. I watched it years ago on cable TV and I never thought I'd see it again. Now, Michelle, I already told you about it this week because I was so excited, but I think our listeners mm-hmm. would really love this documentary, this three-part documentary called At Home with the Georgians. Um, mm-hmm. It's hosted by historian Amanda Vickery and it's in three parts and it explores the huge change in British history and in society when the middle class was able to have a home of their own. Now, many of them were renting. They weren't homeowners yet, but it was the Mm -hmm. first time a lot of the middle class had their own front door, which is what she calls it. Because when you had your own front door, you were able to vote. Like it was a really big deal in society. You had a voice. Um, She also explores the development of what we still refer to today as good taste and home decor uh, mm-hmm. and what it meant to have good taste. And then there's a great whole thing on home security. And it's things we've actually talked touched on in other episodes of our podcast about how scared they were um, of intruders and crime because they didn't have a centralized police force. So how they protected those homes and all the valuables inside, you know, before having home insurance and content insurance. So it's fascinating. It just covers so many different aspects of the home and what that means. And so it's on Acorn TV. Now, I know a lot of our listeners are, we're all engaged in the whole Brit box versus acorn discussion. Um, I have both, but I have found that the better documentaries are on acorn. So if Mm -hmm. our listeners haven't tried acorn yet, I definitely recommend it. And then Michelle, you pointed out that you just go back and forth, which is a brilliant idea. So like a couple months of Brit box Mm -hmm. and cancel it a couple months of acorn. Like why not? It's a great idea. Yep. For sure. There's too many of them now to Mm -hmm. to do them all so yeah switch it up a little bit live a little bit on the edge (laughs) with your tv subscriptions um i'm so interested to watch this because uh i remember watching lucy worsley's uh, series on the home what is it called the history of the home these uh, yes yes hers was if these walls could talk i think Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot. um, If you are interested in domestic history, uh, Mm -hmm. there's so much out there. But I hadn't heard about this one on Acorn TV until you uh, mentioned it. So I guess it's time to switch subscriptions once again. And uh, (laughs) and so I can finally watch this one. That's right. (laughs) So what have you been loving this week? So I finished a book called The Fountains of Silence by Mm -hmm. Ruta Septis. I hope I said that correctly. Uh, I really liked it. It's a really interesting historical novel. It's set in Spain during the dictatorship of Francisco Franco after the Spanish Civil War. Uh, So for those living in Spain at the time, it was a really harsh existence. But at the same time, a lot of tourists and foreign businessmen would be welcomed in in order to, you know, first of all, present a different reality to the rest of the world and also to help Spain's economy recover. So this whole history is viewed from the lens of two young people, Daniel, who is an aspiring photographer from Texas, and Anna, whose family is still struggling to recover from the effects of the war. And I thought it was interesting, thought-provoking. It's a really sweet story in the end. Um, And one thing of interest, too, was that there are actual media reports and commentary from diplomats that are included throughout the whole book. So it really is um, a great example of what we call or have coined or one of our listeners did, I think, the edutainment Mm -hmm. (laughs) genre, Um, a book that is able to teach while also still telling a good story. So this is one that I would recommend. It's called The Fountains of Silence. 
Okay, that's going to do it for us this week. If you want to get in touch and chat with us about our topic today, you can find us on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com or leave us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube at The Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle Sachs, and you can find me on Instagram at mmsachs. And I'm Lindsay Murray, and you can find me on Instagram at lindsayhomemaker. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week, and we will see you next time. Thank you.